Are you subscribed to the Deeper membership? You'll get every episode a week early and ad-free. There's also a bonus episode every fortnight, even during holidays. I never stop for the Deeper. I've created so much premium content for you there. It's only $4.99 a month, which is like $1.25 a week. Subscribe to The Deeper on Apple Podcasts or Acast Plus for Android. Links are in the show notes. They just surround me and they're just cuddling me in this big circle and I'm like screaming because I want my baby. And and they're like, it's going to be all right. See someone of other sister girls is like, I've been through it too. Like, you're going to be okay. Like, they're always going to love you and stuff. And they're just like, come on, we'll take you back. Welcome to The Deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. I acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live and recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community. I pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging. Chloe has overcome many horrific moments in her life. Today, we're going to explore one of the worst, being incarcerated whilst pregnant and giving birth in prison. Chloe bears her soul with us today. The hardest moment for Chloe is the one that changes the course of her life forever. This was a completely disarming interview and it has left me in awe. Content warning... If you're suffering or are triggered by themes of this podcast, help services are listed in the show notes. People need to hear this story. So thank you so much for giving me the time to talk to me. No, um, that's fine. Um, it's good to be face to face. Isn't it? Yeah. You're so beautiful and young. How old are you? I'm 25. I had Tw- to think about it. <laughs> How old am I? <laughs> 25. And you've lived a really big life. Right. I mm-hmm. want to talk about the time that you were incarcerated has happened on and off now for a, how many years was it in and out? From 14, was it? Yeah. 14 to? 21. 21. There was four? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, More? There was four major, major, like, um, lengthy times. But um, I would say from 14 to 18... I was just in and out of juvenile pretty much. Most of my youth I was in and out. Um, but I would only do like a day or a week and um, it would just be like a break for me from the outside from world. From the reality. So did you, was there a part of you that enjoyed it? Um, yeah, there was, um, I did really, um, there was a part of me that enjoyed juvenile detention um the staff there were quite nice um you felt safe you felt like nobody could get to you and that you were getting fed and there was a roof over your head and that that part of me felt like secure that makes so much sense because if I guess in your home life some of those needs aren't being met it would feel almost like a comfort to have familiar faces, yeah. know you've got meal times, know you've got a bedtime, so there's some structure in place. Yeah. And then you leave and you rebel. What are um, most of the charges? Are they similar? Yeah, they're all pretty violent charges. Um, that would happen when I was under the influence of alcohol and um, I had a pretty massive ice addiction. So they would be from when I'd black out. And I'd go into these fits of rage that was, I guess, just bottled up inside. So um, they'd come out when I was completely inebriated and I'd wake up in the cells with no recollection of what happened. So you'd get drunk or you'd get high and the in-between, something clicked in between where you literally don't remember doing anything violent, you don't remember being out of control, you just remember waking up. Yeah, in a cell. Yeah. What is that like? Oh, it's scary. Like it's because there's no part of my nature that's 
violent. Um, I don't see myself as a violent person. So when I'd wake up, I'd be in shock because sometimes I'd wake up in hospital and I'd be like, how, how did I get here or and wake up in the cells and it would be scary because it would be so dark and I'd be dealing with this calm down and this hangover and just questioning, like, what's happening because I was so alone and the police wouldn't talk to me or anybody, so. There was a time that you told me towards the end of this cycle that you were with um, maybe a partner, an ex-partner, and they said something about the police restraining you by, like, stepping on your head. Yeah. Can you tell us about this incident? Um, I don't remember much of it, but from what the father of my youngest son, he was, um, we were coming home from drinking and we were arguing in the street and he was just trying to get me home. And then the police pulled over, this was in Waterloo, Redfern Police, um, and they pulled over and they're like, you know, started harassing us from what he was saying. And um, I completely went into a fit of rage. Um, they said that I ripped the fence paling off a fence and hit her over the head and then she's put her hand in my face and then I've bit her finger and then my the male officer then tackled me to the ground and um, put his boot and then I remember the, like, having my face, like, face down in the dirt and he's just, you know, I hear them swearing and you know, keep your head down, keep your head down, stop moving, stop restraining, like, stop resisting. And, but I don't, like, then I woke up in hospital with this, like, spit mask and I was restrained to the bed, like, tied down, and the nurse came over to me and says, oh, we got to do an AIDS test on you. And I've never had something come out so blatant, like, oh, you know, we're going to do an AIDS test. And I found it quite confronting. Um, and then when I went home, because they did the test and they unrestrained me because I woke up and I was sober and I was just like, just, I guess, like I got out of a hospital and I broke down and I'm like, what the hell happened? Because I had nothing on me. I had no phone. I just didn't know what to do. So I called up Shopfront Lawyers straight away um, and... I called them up and I said, I need you, I really need your help right now because I don't know what the hell is going on. I don't know what charges I'm facing because I didn't have any police surrounding me mm. when I woke up from hospital and I found that quite strange. So you woke up in a hospital bed yeah. without anyone supervising you. Yeah. And you didn't know if you were charged, if you weren't charged, if you were going to jail, or you knew that someone needed your blood to check if you had AIDS. Yeah. And you're piecing all these parts of the puzzle together. Yeah. So how do you actually find out? Um, I then was walking down the street in Redfern, just like, well, going about my normal day-to-day, I guess, well, you know, what what normality there was. Um and just walking down the street and then the police pulled up and then they served me with the bail conditions. What, so hang on, like they don't know who you are, <laughs> just they pull over on the side of the road and go, hey, Chloe, yeah. are you Chloe? Here's your conditions. Yeah. It's almost like sounds like a movie. Yeah. So you get these conditions, what do they say? Um, they said I had to report every day. They had a court date on there. Um. So I had to report every single day, um, had these assault police charges on me. Um, so that's, um, yeah, and then, yeah, I was just confused. You go you go, and you get charged and is, um, what is the time frame, like, that you, the incident occurred to the time you're charged and then what do they charge you with, like, the time? Um... They charged me, like, on the bail conditions, it says that I've been charged with um, occasional bodily harm to a police officer and a um, common assault to a police officer. So I had to keep reporting till the court date. And then I went to the AMS because I missed a period. And I'm like, shit. So I went there and I got pregnancy test and it came back that I was pregnant and... I had a court date coming 
and I was like, I'm going to do a long time for this. Like I had it in my head, like even though yeah. I didn't remember, I, I did something horrible to like it was pretty brutal. Um, So I thought I'm going to be doing like three, four years for this at minimum. That's what I had in my head. So I went on the run for about um, five, five months I went wow. on the run for. Yeah. Was that scary? Yeah. It was um, just keeping low key. Like I couldn't hang out with my friends. Um, I Where'd you go? Um, I went out to Maryland where, my, where I grew up. Because the police, my police presence, like, was my presence was known by police in Redfern. Right. And because um, I haven't dealt with Maryland's police since I was young, then I thought, oh, there's new police officers. I can get away from them. Yeah. And I was using different names at the time. So if I'd get pulled up on the train, I'd be using my neighbour's name and getting, because um, she didn't have a criminal record, her face wouldn't come up. So yes. I was kind of being pretty dodgy yeah. about the whole thing. Yeah, and you're pregnant. Yeah. And are you at this point still using alcohol and meth? Yeah. And are you thinking about keeping this baby or are you just surviving? I'm j- at the time I was like um because I wasn't feeling any kicking or I was still um at the time I was just yeah, surviving like my life was just a mess and I was just trying to live another day. Yeah. Um, and yeah. you you do five months. So at this point when they catch you, or I don't know, tell me how it happens. Um, I got sick of it. Like I handed myself in. Um, wow. I went home to my mum's and I said, I'm sick of this, mum. Like I can't do this to my children anymore because I have two older children and I'm you know, just feeling baby, like I started feeling baby in my stomach and I thought, like, um, I just didn't want to be a horrible mother to my little baby and I knew that there was redemption and that I could, I know that I can be a great mum or an okay mum if I put my mind to it, so... I stayed at mum's and she made me this a big, beautiful meal and she's like, you can do this and we'll come out of this stronger than ever. And that's so I called my old juvenile justice worker and he, he shouldn't be, he shouldn't have been working with me. They're supposed to cut off contact, but he really believed in me. So he was always in the shadows just um, watching me and I called him up and I said, you know, um, can you pick me up tomorrow morning from mum's and come and take me to hear me in? And he's like, okay, well, we'll go to the pub. He's like, but no drinking. And I said, no. <laughs> and he's like, we're going to have the last supper. And I said, okay. <laughs> so he picked me up around 5 p.m. and we went to the rails in Redfern and he got me this lovely big steak. And he's like, you're going to eat shit in there now? And I'm like, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm like, I'll remember this from, from here on out and... We went into Redfern Police Station and I said to him, I came to the desk and I said, I'm here to hand myself in. And they said, he looked a bit shocked, like, because I haven't seen this guy before. And then he's like, let me just search up your name. And then he searched up my name and then about 10 police officers from the back came. Oh, no way. Yeah. And um, Brenton's like, she handed herself in like she's pregnant, like be careful with her. So then... um. They were just, like, surrounded me and I said, I'm not going to do anything. Like, I'm, I'm here to just hand myself in. So then they're like, okay. And then they were pretty, like, pretty, um, they were all right after that and I just slept in the cell and I'm just thinking I'm going to lose this baby but at least I can give him um, the last bit of chance that he's got. Um, I'll give him some help, give him a break from this lifestyle that I've been living and um, so then um, they said, did I want Maccas? So I had a steak and Maccas before I I went in. Good. (laughs) Yeah. That's the perks of being pregnant. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So so you spend, how how far along are you I'm about five months. You're about five months. Yeah. And... 
have you do they support you withdrawing being pregnant and incarcerated what's what's that like they um there's nothing really for ice addicts really yeah so you are tough it out yeah so there was a lot of um I was just drained I guess it was um the first time where I actually because I did feel a, a overwhelming feeling of just safety kind of even though I was in women's jail and it's pretty full on I still had the sister girls that went in there and they were passing me food and <laughs> were they some did you know some people in there from your time in there yeah yeah I knew a few familiar faces and it was nice to see them but at the same time it's sad to see them because you they're actually like they they got big hearts and they're great women and they just made bad choices and there's maybe not a lot of support either for them once they're is it called discharged yeah 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 like are there places that they can work are there places that can you know, house them, I feel like there's not a lot of help to reform. What's the sentence when you are uh, in there? Um, they s- I waited it out and then about two weeks they said, oh, you're sent, um, your finals, your sentencing's coming up. So um, I, at that time I was kind of sick of jail and I'm like, can you get me out somehow? And my lawyer's like, I'll try. She's like, but... <laughs> I think it's impossible. It doesn't work like that. (laughs) Like, I just want to go home now. I'm all right. I've I've thought about what I've done. (laughs) It's like you're in time out in the corner. You're like, I won't do it again. Can I sign the sorry sheet? (laughs) I'll just go home. I know. She was um, like, yeah, no. So we went to sentencing and then all I heard was the judge say 14 months. And I'm like... Inside, like, am I doing 14 months Yeah, in jail? And then I got on the phone to my lawyer and I'm bawling my eyes out and I'm like, what's going on, Jane? What's going on? And she's like, you got four months. She's like, it's good. And four? Yeah. And you thought it was 14? Yeah, they got 10 months outside. So. Oh, so um, home detention. Was that good for you? Were you ha- yeah. Did you feel like that was fair? Um, I still had to give birth to my baby in custody. Shit, but, can um, we talk about that? Yeah. Because um, you've had two babies before. Were they yeah. natural births? Yeah. The days leading up, I mean, you know, your last trimester and the days leading up to knowing this baby's coming, what's going on for you? Um, I've had a lot of, like, because um, when I got sentenced, I was at Silverwater Women's Prison and they said, oh, we're going to try and get you over to Jacaranda to the Mums and Bubs Prison. Where's that same? Emu Plains. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, so I got the transfer to Emu Plains and they had it, I had it in my head. I told docs, you know, I'm going to get cleaned straight away when I, like I'm staying clean. Um, I'm going to go to Mums and Babies Rehab. We we set up Jacaranda. Um, they approved of Jacaranda. Everything was like, I was thinking, oh, wow, I'm going to have my baby with me while I'm in custody. So you go into labour. Yeah. And do you, like, ring a buzzer or, like, how do you get, what happens from the moment you're like, this baby's coming? I got induced. Oh. So we had to go to the hospital because um, he didn't want to come out. <laughs> I had one of those. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just like, I don't want to come out into yeah. this crazy world. <laughs> I'm not coming out, Mum. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so you, do you, like, I've seen it on TV, so excuse my naivety, but do they handcuff you to the bed? Or you, do you just have a guard in there? Um, I have a there's a guard because it was a minimum security prison. Mm-hmm. So um, if you're in high security, like maximum security prisons, you get handcuffed. I've heard of women that have been handcuffed. Could you imagine birthing and being handcuffed to a bed? Oh. Like you need to move, you yeah. know. That's hell. Yeah. So you have a, do you have anyone else with you in the room, just a midwife and a guard? I told the guard, the guard wanted to stay inside and I told him to give give the F out. Is it a girl or a boy? It was um, a man that came at the start. And because my, I think my labour was like, it was pretty lengthy. I think it was like five hours. So you tell this guy to piss off. Yeah. And who else is with you? I signed a green sheet. So I got my... Um, the father, um, baby's father to come mm-hmm. and my elder sister. 
Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so my sister came with a cheeseburger and I'm like, <laughs> no mate like I can't eat (laughs) I was like I'll put it like I'll save it for later which I did end up eating that cold stale cheeseburger (laughs) (laughs) it's like a theme of you with Maccas through you yeah um so you you have this this moment where you got your family in the room does the does the guard give you privacy yeah thankfully Okay, um, so tell me the moment you give birth to this. What do you, what do you have? Little boy, little yeah. boy, my little Isaiah. And um, do you get a moment with him? Yeah. Um, it was really quite. It felt normal, except that I was. I knew it wasn't normal, and I knew that I had to. At one point, well, at the time, I actually thought I was going to take him with me, and um, how long do you have with him? I had three days. Three days. In the hospital? Yeah. So do you get to start feeding? Yeah. So you get to do all of that? Yeah. That's so sweet. Yeah. And so they say to you, day three, um, discharge back to... Amy Plains. Talk to me what happens. Um, They said, because baby had to go down for withdrawals to check if he was scoring high and they ended up putting him in the NIC unit. So he was scoring at zeros, so... Because of the time, he was he was just he was great. He was such a beautiful baby and healthy, healthy. Yeah, he was my biggest, which was oh. which was surprising. I'm like, I don't know how with this the happened. stress. Yeah, yeah. And, and was, was he? What happens with a withdrawing baby? And was he withdrawing? Um, he wasn't withdrawing. He was sleeping well. Um, my friend who was on one of the sister girls who was on methadone in there. You can tell how much a baby's withdraw, I guess, because of that time that I was detoxing in prison. Mm, gave helped. baby. That's awesome. Yeah. So do you know what it would have been like if he was withdrawing? Oh, he would have been screaming. Um, it would have been so painful for him. I could have, like, even I thought when I was coming down, like, or when I was getting off it, if he was in pain because sometimes he wouldn't move in my stomach and... I'd be really quite, you know, because I came to the stage where you just like, because uh, when you start feeling them, you just automatically love them. And I was just so worried that there's days where he wouldn't move and um, go to the midwife or I'd buzz up to go to the clinic and I'm like, he hasn't moved all day. Like, can you check, like, can you just put the heartbeat monitor on him so you can check if he's moving and they'd be like he's fine he's just heart rate's a bit high and I was like okay and um his heart rate would go sometimes it would be too low and they was because it was always changing that's why they had to end up inducing me because they said it couldn't go longer like I was already like due date but um over the due date so um I had him in there and he was a great baby um, he was latching good and we were bonding and it was beautiful. And then the guards come with the big car and they're like, you got to, um, you know, got to say bye to baby. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, oh, he's going to come home. Like, I'll come home, um, come back to the... With you. Yeah. Meet you. Yeah. And um, so do you just say, cool, see you soon, baby, and you get in the with um, the car with them? I had to go back up to my room and the Nick unit's downstairs, my room's upstairs, but I was always downstairs with him anyways, but I just had to grab my what belongings I had and um, I'm walking past the Nick unit and um, just thinking, oh, my baby's in there, like, but I can't take him home and it just felt so weird, like, it just felt... I should be staying with him, I should be watching him, I should be there 24-7, like I shouldn't be going for a break or... um, And then I just got back, they're not talking to me about it, they're not asking me about it, the, the male guard who's in there, oh, you know, I couldn't figure out, like, oh, I couldn't imagine how hard it would be to have a baby, like, oh, you know, it would be painful, I couldn't imagine, put, like, saying stupid stuff that was, like... I don't really want to hear you talking right now, like sort of just, you know, 
chauvinistic crap and I got back to the compound and it was just like they ended up strip searching me, getting me to, um, like, like I'm bleeding, I'm got stitches in and mm. they still strip search me and it's like what is, like it was painful because yeah. you've got to kind of lift your leg and. Oh, God. Yeah. So and so invasive. You've just given birth. Yeah. Like anyone that has done that knows that down there is very sensitive and it's not a place that anyone should go but the mother yeah and I I just got out and I just felt violated and I felt empty and I just seen the the sister girls walk up to me and they're looking at me like like they're looking at me like they know I'm not all right and I just um like just this feeling like I just drop and I'm like like I'm like, it's just, um, they just surround me and they're just cuddling me in this big circle and I'm, like, screaming because I want my baby and... And they're like, it's going to be all right. See someone of other sister girls is like, I've been through it too. Like, you're going to be okay. Like, they're always going to love you and stuff. And they're just like, come on, we'll take you back. So they just cuddled me the whole time that day and then because I come back early in the morning and then the um, I hear over the, um, on the speakers, uh, Quail come down to, come down to the clinic, um, Quail to the clinic, Quail to the clinic. So I'm like, oh, they brought baby back. And then the manager from Jacaranda sits me down. She's like, you're going to have to sit down for this. And I said, no, I'm just going to stand. I said, just tell me. And she's like, we're not accepting you into Jacaranda. You can't have your baby with you. And, um, this, um, that broke my heart because, um, you know, like, they're like, oh, just because of your record, it's so violent they're like we just question the safety of your child and I'm like what like (laughs) it just felt so shit like um so then I started beating myself up and I'm like I'm just a horrible person and how could I do this to my little boy And, um, yeah, it was pretty much, like, I just felt really empty after that. And then they thought it would be a great idea to get me a job doing concreting while I'm healing. Yeah. Um, I'm just so sorry. That's just, um, just a heartbreaking very cruel thing to do to a mum. No, I felt really like, I guess all the, if they didn't get my hopes up, if they yeah. just told me, yeah. If you knew. Yeah. That's just, like, you don't even have any preparation, you know, to to mentally get ready for something like that. Yeah. And I, I just felt like um quite... As you see, over Jacaranda, there was only a few other, like there's one mum there with her kids, but the rest were not mothers. And you're just like, why space. can't I be there? Yeah. Do you know where your baby is? I know he's still at the hospital. Um, she let me know that Doxy's coming later to get me to sign papers to, like, let him let him um these temporary care arrangements. Do you get to choose who that is? Um, I said to them that I really want him to go to my mother and they said because my brother was living there at the time and he was on parole, they're like, he's got to go. And he's he was fine with that and um, he went out. My, I knew that my baby was with another family and they were in Cronulla, but I didn't know them. 
Does that feel incredibly frustrating and strange? Yeah, like I just wanted to talk to them to ask, oh, you know, how we like you just Who are you as a person? (laughs) Yeah. Like, do you have experience with newborns? Like and did you get to talk to them? No, never. They kept their names private. They said, Oh, you can't know who these people are because it's a conflict of interest. And I'm like To whom? Like they're the ones with my baby, like um is the baby still breastfeeding or like I've so many questions just as a mother and your rights to your child's health and well-being uh how are your boobs are you still like what's the situation they got me an electric breast pump so I'm just constantly just um expressing milk and they said that they're going to send it over to them with a caseworker that I've never met never heard of but they said there was this caseworker that could take my breast milk over to my son and every time I'd go to the fridge, my breast milk would still be in the fridge. And the last lot that was supposed to be taken? Yeah. And are you just feeling like, where are my rights? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just, like, I just wanted to... I felt, like, weird because I'd have... I'd be pumping milk but I wouldn't have my baby with me and... My sister girl um, would sit in the cell with, like, sit in the, not the cell, we were in houses there, and um, we'd go into the room and she'd sit there with me while I, because I'd be really emotional and the girls would hear me crying while I'm pumping and they'd be like, she'd come in and she'd, you know, give me a drink of water. She's like, just make sure I had my fluids up and stuff and she's like, you know, I'm going to go down here and I'm going to go off at them and I'm like, it's all right, it's all right, like, I said, but you can come down with me and they could see how wild she was and how emotional I was. And then they said, oh, you got to visit with him. Um, that was like a week and a half after I gave birth to him. And I was like, oh, when? And they said on Wednesday. And I said, oh, that's great. Um, I just came out and I told my sister girl the good news and she was like, oh, that's great. Like, you know, it's good you get to see him, then you can feed him and stuff and make sure he's all right, sis, and I was like, yeah. And then they called me for the visit that day and they didn't have it in the visit room. They had it in the office where all the, secu- like, all the screws are and there's males in there and I didn't have any much space. I was just put on this, like, um, uh, office chair. Right. So they put me on that chair next to the table where the, the big person sits or the high-up screw sits and... um. He's a male and I just thought, I'm just going to feed my baby and I just pull out my breasts and I go to feed him because I'm like, I just, because I'm full, I'm like, you know, I'd fill up sometimes because at that time I just didn't want to pump. Yeah. I was just over it and yeah. I was full so I'm like, oh, you know, he's awake, he, he wants to feed and then we can bond and then they're just like, he's looked at me and he's like, I ain't go doing that in here. He's like, that's disgusting. You don't go show nudity, put it away. And I've just was in shock, like, he's like, there's a bottle in there. And I went off and he's like, you want to stop being aggressive or we'll cut this visit short? <sighs> and I just mumbled under my breath, like, go fuck yourselves. And then I just spent, made sure that I just was, cuddle, like, I was just cuddling him really tight. I didn't want to let him go. Um... Like, I felt like I was getting treated like an animal, like, or not even, not an animal, but, like, just a horrible person, like, oh, like, as if I was a disgusting person and, like, I know what I did was wrong and I admitted that and I was going to put things in place to better myself and better, do better for my children and, I know where I went wrong and I wasn't in denial about it, but for them to just treat me like to con- like I'm already in here serving my time, you don't need to convict me while I'm inside as well and like persecute they're still me. Keeping, they're still treating you like you've committed murder, yeah. but you've handed yourself in, you've just given birth, you're so um, vulnerable as um, when you've just given birth. Yeah. And you've seen your baby after a week and a half of not having him and they're still giving you no human rights, no 
just not relaxing anything no. to support you. No. And and then they give you a job as a concreter. Yeah. So I'm really confused because what I've learned through giving birth is it's pretty um it can be debilitating physically yeah. for someone. And giving doing concreting is probably the worst possible job. <laughs> what what is happening here? Um they've just they've given me this job and they're like you pretty much can't. You've got to take up the job or we're going to take you off buy-ups and um, stop your visits. So I pretty much took this job and I thought, had it in my head, oh, maybe they'll get me doing an easy thing, but um, like an easy part of it. And so, and I thought, oh, this is a great way to kind of get me to keep my mind off my... Distracted. Yeah. And is there like other jobs in the jail that are less manual labor um you gotta kind of be that was a pretty manual jo- jail there's some milk pro but that was for more of for more senior yeah like people that have earned the right or something yeah so what does your job consist of like what is a day at your job um stacking big blocks of concrete on top of each other shaking these big like foot pave um pavers yeah pavers out of so footpaths and you've got to shake them and it's just drained to the top <gasps> half of your stomach and I could feel it like where I haven't Movie healed. Things. yeah. And, and I'm are you f- still bleeding? Yeah. Yeah. Shit. So I would clot from after a day's work. I would just, and the chemicals, they'd spray it with this oil and just the chemicals I was breathing in so our clothes would get, like our noses were black from you know, breathing in this concrete. Yeah. And they knew you'd given birth and they knew you were healing. Yeah. And what was the impact of that work on your physical health? Oh, it was shocking. Like I was losing so much blood, like at the, before they gave me the job, it was kind of just light, um, well, light. And then I was clotting again. And because I hemorrhage when I give birth, um, it just reopened. But I guess I started hemorrhaging pretty bad again and, like, nothing would... I'd go to sleep and I'd wake up in puddles of blood and I knew I was losing heaps of blood because I'd wake up and I'd be dizzy and I'd be shaking at, like, my arms, like, just everything was shaking. And the Vietnamese chick that was working with us, um, she's like, you know, you should be treated like a queen, like, in our culture... Yeah. You rest up and the people bring you food. She's like, sister, this is wrong. This is wrong, sister, what they're doing to you. And I said, like, um, I was like, I know, I, like, I, I know that I'm, I was telling her, like, I'm feeling dizzy. And I was like, and I know that my body can't take it. And I said, I just don't want to miss out on visits because it's all I have. And I said, and I don't want to miss out on phone calls because how am I going to, you know, my baby's coming home to my mum soon. How am I going to know, keep tabs or know that I'll be isolated? But then one day I just dropped at work and I fainted and then they sent me back and I went to the clinic and they're like, you're just going to have to, like, we're going to write up a letter. We're like, they might take you off buy-ups and visits and all that stuff, but we're going to write this letter up to support you um, so you don't get taken off those things because yeah. they're like, they should not your put fault. You, yeah. They said they shouldn't have put you to work, um, even the nurse at the time because she came from Silverwater and she was dealing with me at the um, early stages of my pregnancy and she's like, I don't even know that why they got you a job. Yeah. At this point when you've given birth and you started working, how many? How much time do you have left? Um, five weeks. Oh, yeah. so close. Yeah. Is there any part of it that of how difficult and heart-wrenching and traumatic this is for you that you want to touch drugs to get to feel a bit better? Um, I didn't ha- I guess because um, I knew the damage drugs did. There was t- there's times where I do think about it, but um, I also remind myself that this is where drugs has gotten me. Um, I don't want to be... Drugs isn't going to make it easier. It's not going to... It never helped, so... I had that in my back of my mind, like... You didn't want to do it? No. 
So this concreting job finishes, your time is coming to an end. How often are you getting to see the bub in jail? Oh, every um, mum has him by the end and I call up my mum and I'm like, make sure you get him fat. (laughs) And she's like, okay, because when I last seen him, he was quite small. And then they bought him the car car seat and they faced it the other way and then I turned him around and he's just this big... Chubber. Yeah, he's big, <laughs> like a bullfrog. I don't know, like just... I don't know how to... I don't know if a bullfrog's a thing, but that's the thing that comes in my head. <laughs> a roly-poly bullfrog. Yeah. <laughs> and what is that like for you the day... Does he come and meet you at the jail the day you get released? Um, No, he's at home with mum and my partner at the time, his father, picks me up and I'm waving at his dad like, oh, I'm getting out. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, we'll go see baby. And he's like, yeah, because um, I get released because I couldn't stay at mum's because of, of the, because he was in temporary care. So I had to go into motels. Mm-hmm. So I signed all that stuff. And I just said, oh, I'll go there. I'll just pretend I'm staying there. But mum was would have me at her house. You'd sneak out at night to be with your baby. <laughs> yeah, because nobody was really keeping watch. I just had to say that I was staying at this place. And, um, yeah, by, by that time I, I just came home and he's just looking at me and he's just, like, it's like he was just, because he's gurgling away and, Mm. say just babbling and saying like looking me in the eyes and he's just like as if he's saying where were you like it's like he was kind of angry at me like where have you been like rousing on me and I'm just looking at him like oh I don't I don't blame you and I'm just there saying I'm so sorry mummy I'm so sorry and mum's like you can try and breastfeed again like mum's there feeding me peanuts and she's like you can try and get it up again and it just wouldn't happen and I said it's fine mum and um, we were trying and I was like, it's just, it's all right. I said, we're going to bond again, even if I don't breastfeed. I said, but it, it was, it sucked because mm-hmm. I was so used to breastfeeding my children. And um, How old is he? He is now. At that time. A month and a half. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it's still, he's still so new. Yeah. And he stayed with that um, temporary housing, those people. Um, and then he's staying with your mum and you're in the motels. Yeah. When do you get to be with him? Um, my mum pretty much let me there every day. <laughs> so um, I ended up, because they were putting me from a, because I was in emergency accommodation, they'd have a motel for me, then a hostel, then another motel, and it was always getting swapped around. So I ended up staying with my mother-in-law and out at Penrith until I got into the mums and bubs rehab. Mm -hmm. So I was calling them every single day, like every Friday in jail. And then when I got out of jail, I was calling them every single day. Do you got a place yet? Do you got a place yet? Because I knew that could get this ball rolling to get my baby back. Mm. So um, I was staying, I think I was out on the out for about three weeks and then I finally got a spot and they had a bed for me and then the process started of getting baby back. So what do you need in a mum and bub rehab? Because he's not withdrawing, you're clean. Yeah. Is it trying to teach you how to stay clean? Is that the point? Yeah, yeah. Um, They had therapies and... It it was good um, to get baby back, but it was also, like, very, very strict and because when I first went in there, they're like, oh, you know, you can't go talking to your parents. Like, maybe you need to limit the time you speak to your mother and they didn't get that cultural, I guess. Understanding. Yeah, and I guess it's for everybody. Like, we just want to, if we got a positive person, like my mum's not on drugs, she was she was my safe place. She has my children. I should be able to speak to my mother whenever I want without them questioning. Like, I'm doing what you say. Like, don't come into my, like, don't get too personal into my personal life. If you life. don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so um, they had a tr- Tresillion worker oh, yeah. there. She yeah. was great. Um, she was like, um, she did, um, we did the... 
It's Circle of Security course. Oh, and yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. That's a really cool thing to learn. I don't know much about it, but it teaches your kids how to feel safe, right? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And how old is he now? He's about two months and a half and I'm getting to have him pretty much because I've settled in. I couldn't speak to my family for two weeks and then they've started the ball rolling and then I've they started giving him to me for a couple of hours and then non-supervised for a day and then the worker would come and pick him up and then pretty much not long after that it felt so quick that they got him back with me. Yeah. But then straight after that they're like, you got to get him into daycare. And I'm like, he's, like, he's only tiny, like he's not... I want to send, like, what's he going to do? Like, lay in a cot all day? Like, I was just kind of like, no, I got my baby back and now we're never getting separated again. (laughs) (laughs) So I asked my dog, so like I said, um, I was at the point where I was frustrated and I just wanted to be with, like, I got what I wanted. (laughs) I got my son and I just wanted to go home. You want to be free now. Yeah. And they said, the dog's worker's like, oh, it's Friday, Chloe. Will you get the Friday night itch? I said, I'd use every single day. So then they said, okay, you're allowed to leave if you want to. And um, I spent one more night there and then, yeah, we left and came home and I was with my two other kids. How is that? It felt beautiful. Like felt, I felt full again. Like I felt complete. Um, one of the best days of my life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a big road. Yeah. And then to have everything you've ever wanted in your arms. Yeah. Must be the most beautiful feeling in the world. Yeah. No, it was. Was that the moment you were like, never, ever, ever again am I doing drugs? Yeah. Never am I going back to jail? This is my, this is it for me? Yeah. I'm um, just having my daughter on my lap, my son on my lap, and we're both looking at baby and I'm I just remember that day where I'm just looking at them both and we're just sitting there laughing and I just feel this like just warm like this voice in my head like you did it like you're out you're out of the woods you can you can live again or you can start living and it was beautiful yeah and you have and you're living a beautiful life yeah. With your babies. Yeah. And I want to talk about your music because I think it's such a big part of you just as much as this story is a part of you. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Talk to me about your music. Um, I guess my music is a way where I can express myself creatively but also come out with my feelings and emotions that... I kind of can't deal with in the, like, anger's a funny emotion for me. So, and I get really emotional, so I'd rather channel mm. that and put it into my music. music. Yeah. Because what's really interesting about you is hearing you, you sound like your talking voice is so, it's almost sweet, you know, like it's it's polite, it's soft, it's feminine. And then your music, it's like, you unleash this like warrior, like this beast, like seriously, I mean, it's awe-inspiring. I'm a, people might not know this, but I'm a massive rap fan and you're, you're the real deal. Like, (laughs) (laughs) it is your passion and your, um, I think your storytelling is so invoking of emotions and like mark my words this is just the beginning because you're it's blowing up everywhere and I'm so lucky because I get you now soon you'll (laughs) be touring around the world and I won't be able to get an interview I really hope that everyone clicks on to your latest tracks there's how many out now on Spotify uh me and there are four four tracks yeah okay can you name them for us there's our lives matter which but, is the latest one? Yeah. Oh, the latest one is 22 Clans. So oh, okay. that's a song with me and Macridge. And then there's I Can't Breathe by me. And I did a verse on Dobby's track, which I'm so glad that he invited me to do that. <laughs> um, me and Macridge did one 22 Clan. And one of my favorite ones that I've filmed 
was for my titters and um, that's an anthem right (laughs) that's an anthem for just for your women yeah and and the something I love that you said about that it's so beautiful is putting pressure on men to honor women yeah and that I feel like whether you're an indigenous woman or you're not we know what like domestic violence and you have been a survivor of that as well. Yeah. We need men, no matter your ethnicity, to stand up. But can you tell me the reason behind that? Because it's so beautiful, the power of the woman yeah. in your culture. Um, well, from my tribe, so I'm Malimgumpa Barkindji, and we are a very matriarchal culture. So we believe in Mother Earth, and I'm sure a lot of tribes do. I know there's different beliefs in different clans because we have so many. Mm. Um, but from my tribe, we're very matriarchal. The woman is a front runner, and even um, it shows in our society today, like frontline protesters, women who come about make like people who come about making change are usually women who are mothers and who are aunties and sisters and. Um, they are the ones who there's something amazing about women that keep people together and and make sure people like people are safe and I guess that's what um I just wanted to honor my women because if it wasn't for my matriarchal mother I wouldn't be the woman I am today and um you know, these are the voices you don't always hear or the, you, they don't get enough praise. So I just wanted to make a song that where my sister girls can be like, I'm deadly and walk yeah. out and be like, yeah, respect me. <laughs> and it was played at all the protests. That must have felt just. Oh, it was a dream. Don't be shamed, sis. Let them know what's up. Paper way for your baby so they grow up tough. Aim higher even though you grew up in hard knocks and show your babies what it feels like when you truly are that must have felt surreal for you. Yeah, because right? that's kind of, I guess I was like, I really want to make music because I've been to, like, when I go to protests, I'll hear, you know, music yeah. and I'll be like, I want, want that to, to be me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that's another thing. You are available for bookings, for gigs, for everything. We want you to book Barker, <laughs> which is the, what do you call what, Is it your stage name? Is it your, like, um, what, why do you use Barker versus Chloe? Um, Barker means river in my country, so it means river, like flow. flow. And I thought that's my connection to my land is through my... Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, so I use Barker, um, which And is, it's almost like an alter ego because when you're Barker, you're this fierce woman, yeah. like savage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh. I know some people are like, because I got a call the other day. It's like, you sound really different. He's like, I didn't expect you to sound like this. I expected <laughs> you to sound, I'm like, angry. He's like, yeah. <laughs> it, you're like, you, you're terrifying in these videos. and But in a, in a beautiful, powerful way, like you are owning your feminine and you're owning your story and your history. Um, mm. You need to listen to Barker's music and support, please. I think it's important for people to know what's behind the music too. Like you're a proud Indigenous woman. Mm-hmm. I love um, everything that you're sharing on social media about um, learning your native tongue and really being in all of that kind of ritual and customs of the culture. Like yeah. it's so you. Yeah. Talk to me about talk to me about how important that is. Oh, it's massive. Like um, even learning my native tongue is massive because my mother, she's part of the Stolen Generations and she'd tell me when she used to speak lingo in the homes that they'd cane her for it and would say, we don't speak that, you know, ooga booga here, we don't speak that. And I remember mum telling me stories about our great, like her um, grandmothers, my great nanas, and they'd sit in the room and they'd, she'd hear them speaking lingo but they were too scared to teach it and pass it down to um her and to um like they did pass it down but once the kids got taken they just stopped speaking it it's so broken by then the whole family unit is so destroyed yeah we have known each other before 
this huge wave of Black Lives Matter has come to the forefront and so overdue. But for you, have you felt racially vilified before? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I get followed around shops. I get pulled up by police with my children. I was jumping on the train to go and meet my um, my son's father. He was going to take baby for me for the weekend and he just finished work. So I'm on the train with my little son and we get off at Penrith train station and there's a group of police there. So before I get to the gates, they come over and they said, do you have your ticket? And I gave them my Opal card and... um. Because I was in such a rush, I forgot to tap on. I just kind of went through the gates. Yeah, sure. And, you know, then they were like, oh, okay, well, we've got to search up your name. And I said, there's money on my Opal card, like... Just take yeah. the take the fare. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they made a big deal out of it. And they then um, searched up my name and they said, oh, we've got to search you. And I said you know, my son's asleep. I finally got him to sleep because he was crying and on the train and it was packed and... You do not wake a sleeping baby ever. No. <laughs> that's rules. <laughs> Everyone, that's universal. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they've then, you know, said we've got to, you know, do a pat down, do a, you know, a search on you and they've done that and I'm just, like, embarrassed. I'm just humiliated because... I was like, I haven't got in trouble for like, I think it was, um, my son was like one and a half, I think, or I think he was a bit older. I think it was, I wasn't in trouble for a while by yeah. then. And I think it was like two years. I haven't been in trouble with police by then. And um, they've patted me down in front of everybody and, you know, put their hands or like, under my bra, and then they've asked me to pick my son up out of a pram, mm. and I'm like, he's asleep. They're like, no, we've got to search your pram. And I'm just like, oh. And then um, Mookie, my um, my son's father, he um, he's just like, you know, you shouldn't be doing this to her. Like, what's wrong with you? Because he come over and he sees me crying, and then I'm just holding baby. Baby wakes up, he's crying. crying yeah. Yeah, and... Then they've just, like, been, like, I was just like, I'm going to talk to, like, I'm going to ring up Aboriginal Legal Service and put in a complaint about you. This is disgusting. Like, there's no need for you to, you know. And then I found out later that it was an illegal search. Like, they shouldn't have done it. Oh, wow. Because they have to do it on the grounds of, you know, me actually. Doing something wrong. Do you get compensated for that? No. um, They just, the the complaint's gone in and it's just. And it's too bad. Yeah, it's just gone through the air, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, which they've just, you know, because I was saying to him, I'm going to call up ALS, and they're like, you know, he had a stupid smirk on his face. And I'm just like... And then straight after they did it to me, another Aboriginal family, the ladies got a pram, they went over straight over to her and so circled So every her. other nationality could go through? Yeah. And it was targeted? yeah. And you and you have felt that throughout your life that you have been targeted because of your race. Yeah. And some of your music now has these lyrics yeah. that is expressing, I mean, not just yours but generations of pain. And I think that it's I'm going to put in the show notes where everyone can find the music, but I feel like because of your story and because of women like you that are in the system, that are trapped, for everyone, this is an important time to step on board and be a part of the music because the music is the thing that's going to leverage you yeah. and your voice to be able to share this with everybody else, yeah. right? And yeah. we have to be, we have to champion you. This has to be the time that you have done, you've done the hard yards, mm-hmm. Like you've done the detox, you've saved your baby, you've saved your family, and now we need to support you. So I just thank you from the bottom of my heart for being a huge role model in your community and the greater community and also informing us of your story 
And I'm just sorry that I know there were times that obvious assault equals punishment, but I'm sorry if any of that has ever been anything other. Thank you. But I really appreciate you making the time to speak with us today. Final question. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you when no one's watching? Um, I guess I'm Barker in the eye of people, so I'm this staunch, like, you know, like righteous woman. Um, I'm just this quiet little... Oh, I torment the shit out of my mum, which I enjoy doing so much. Um, and I love tormenting my kids too. So I just, I think I'd just be this torment that just laughs and just, um, yeah, like I'm just always forever joking around with my kids and we're making silly videos and just belly laughing till it, till it hurts. Thank you so much for being so open and vulnerable with us today. Thank you so much. Are you subscribed to the Deeper membership? You'll get every episode a week early and ad-free. There's also a bonus episode every fortnight, even during holidays. I never stop for the deeper. I've created so much premium content for you there. It's only $4.99 a month, which is like $1.25 a week. Subscribe to the deeper on Apple Podcasts or Acast Plus for Android. Links are in the show notes.